Well, I'm glad you're here. You know, I, I woke up this morning on a new, uh-oh, we got two strikes against us. It's raining outside, which rain will keep most Baptists in bed anyway. I mean, you know. <laughs> and then we lost that hour's sleep. And, uh, you know, y'all, y'all look like you need that five-hour energy drink. I think we're going to start passing those out in the Welcome Center. So, uh, but I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the Lord's house. You know, last week we began a series, uh, just a short series I'm doing on the characteristics of people who make it through tough places in life because we're all going to be there. Uh, sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves in a tough spot with our backs against the wall. Last week we talked about Moses who was literally standing between the devil and the deep blue sea, all right? The Red Sea was on one side. Pharaoh's army was on the other side. Moses couldn't go forward and he couldn't go backwards. Moses was in a tough spot. We learned some lessons on how to negotiate and navigate our way through those places. Well, today I want to talk about another biblical character, a young man, a teenage boy by the name of David. He faces one-on-one the giant known as Goliath. And immediately, you're saying, I know something about that story. okay? Because even if you were not raised in church, most of us know a little bit about the story of David and Goliath. This morning, we will look at his story and learn this lesson. How can I defeat the giants that are in my own life? Okay? How can I defeat the giants in my own life? Let me be... 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, just a few of these verses, and we're going to kind of work our way through the chapter. Uh, 1 Samuel 17 says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and were gathered at Sukkot, which belongeth to Judah. And they encamped between Sukkot and Azekah in Ephes Demim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, And he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat of mail was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly scared or afraid. And I understand why. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts to hear the word of truth. 
Help us to realize, dear Lord, that with you on our side, all things are possible and that we can face and defeat the giants in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me give you a little history background to help explain why the Israelite soldiers were so afraid. Uh, the, the Philistines had been seafaring people. They came from an island in the Middle East. Once they landed, they established five cities that became very strong. They were each led by a very vicious king. The Philistines entered the Iron Age long before the Israelites did, and their weapons of war were far superior. The Philistines had, had figured out how they could put swords in the wheels of their chariots so that when they went into battle, the chariot rider could go through the other army and just knock down its infantry, kind of like we mow down grass. Just before this event, the Philistine army had slaughtered 30,000 Israelite soldiers in battle. And this is still fresh in the minds of these other soldiers. And they were greatly afraid of the Philistines. What the Philistines were doing on this day was not uncommon. Rather than putting the entire army into battle, the Philistines would choose one champion to go out and taunt and challenge the other army to see if they would put their best warrior down on the battlefield so that these two men could go one-on-one. -on -one. They would each represent their own army. And whichever side won, the losing side would have to either retreat or surrender. And so the Philistines had chosen their champion well, Goliath from Gath. He's a nine-foot-tall guy. I don't know I'm going to show my age here, but I'm thinking that, that's like the Terminator with a thyroid condition, you know? Or jaws on steroids. I mean, this guy was huge, and he was a skilled warrior. He had his Ph.D. in assault and battery. He, he was a bad man. And here he is taunting and challenging the entire army of the Israelites. Send somebody out to fight me. But he had no takers. Nobody would go. At this time in the story, David's not even in the picture. I don't know if it was because he was so small or because he was so young, but whatever the reason, his father had not allowed David to go to the front lines of the battle. Only David's brothers were there. But after 30 days or so, his, his father, Jesse, said, you know, we need, to, we need to check on the boys who are fighting with Saul. David, go, go and take them something to eat and find out how they're doing. So here's this teenage boy with a lunch bucket in his hand, and he's moving toward the front lines of the battle. He hears Goliath taunting the Israelites and cursing the God of Israel. David couldn't believe his ears. Why wasn't somebody doing something about this? In fact, we can read it right here in the Bible. Skip over to chapter 17 and, and look at verses 32 and 33. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You've got to be kidding. <laughs> that's not really what it says in the Bible. That's, that's my paraphrase on it. He said, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth, you're just a kid. And he is a man of war 
since his youth. In other words, he's been fighting since he was a boy, and that's all you are, is just a little boy. But, but go down to verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistines. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He's doing some pretty good smack talking, isn't he? Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with swords and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. David's doing a little smack talking of his own. But but understand this, and I'm going to come back to this at the end. David's smack talking wasn't about himself. It was about God. This is what God is going to do to you. Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell to his face on the earth. Yay! Way to go, David. What happened next, according to the Bible, is that David walked over to the fallen corpse of the giant. He pulled out the large sword that Goliath owned, and with it he decapitated the giant, thus proving that David was a man who knew how to get ahead. (laughs) That was poor, but you laughed, (laughs) didn't you? Now, here's the deal, all right? Here's the deal. All of us, every single one of us, we're all going to have our giants. Big things, dark things. Shadows that blacken and blot out the sun. Let me ask you, listen, who have your giants been? Maybe an unfaithful spouse, an abusive parent, a jerk of a boss. What have your giants been? Financial giants, career giants, health giants, addiction giants. You know, these moments when we face our giants, they really are the defining moments of our lives. Will I advance or will I retreat? Really, in those crucibles of decision, we really see who we are. And we really find out what we're becoming. Now, some of you have faced your giants for a long time. 
haven't you? The Israelites can relate to that. The Bible says that for 40 days, Goliath would get up early, walk down into the valley, stare up at the rocks behind which the Israelite soldiers were hiding, and he would challenge them. He would call them out. He would taunt them. He would curse them. He would curse their God every day. For 40 days, hour after hour, wearing them down, beating them down. By the time David gets on the scene, it was time for somebody to do something. I think that time may have come for you. Your giant has been there for a long time. And for whatever reason, you have chosen not to engage in the battle. But the time has come for you to do something. Because let me tell you something, friends. Your giants must be faced. You're going to have to face them. And the good news is they can be defeated. Here's how. Three things you need to know about giant killers, all right? And you're going to become a giant killer today. Number one, giant killers live with the perspective of preparation. In other words, put it like this. You you don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to go kill a giant, (laughs) okay? You you have to be prepared by God to do that. David wasn't ready to face Goliath five years before this event. He had to be prepared for this particular task. The Bible talks a little bit about his preparation. In verse 15 it tells us that David went out to tend his father's flocks. That is, he was a shepherd boy in Bethlehem. Now, being a shepherd is a pretty inauspicious beginning for a giant killer. Wouldn't you say? But giant killers don't start out as giant killers. David wasn't ready for Goliath before he had been a shepherd boy. But learning the lessons in the lonely places, the private places of life, prepared David for this big battle that was about to confront him. Now, there are other illustrations in the Bible of of what I'm talking about. One of my favorite uh, characters in the Old Testament is this man by the name of Caleb. You know his story. Really, we're we're told a whole lot about Caleb uh, on his 85th birthday. Here is an 85-year-old man celebrating his birthday, and he's standing in line with a group of other people, and they're getting ready to choose the land that they're going to build their houses on. They just got into the promised land. They each are going to be given property where they can live. And there is Caleb, 85 years old, ready to choose his property. Lots of choices available for Caleb. There was fertile farmland, and he could have flat, smooth land, and he could have chosen that. There was uninhabited, ready-to-move-into land, and he could have chosen that. But with this 85-year-old steps up, he squares his shoulders and there's a glint in his eye. And he says, give me the hill country. And I think he said it just like that. With that West Texas draw. Give me the hill country. The Bible doesn't say it, but I'm sure there was a gasp from everyone who was standing around. Because everyone knew that there were giant warriors who lived in the hill country. For Caleb to occupy the land, he was first going to have to go in and chase out all of the giants. Now, folks, you've got to love an 85-year-old giant hunter. Be honest. 
When you get that age, all you're thinking about is sitting in front of the TV ordering people around, right? And here's an 85-year-old man looking for a fight. That's who Caleb was. But you go back and read in the Bible and you will discover that for 40 long years, God had been preparing Caleb for that very moment. God had been readying him, teaching him the lessons of faith and trust and courage. So when that day came, when he needed to chase out those giants, he could do it because he had lived with God. Same thing was true for David. Same thing true for David. Here's the lesson. We must be faithful in the lonely places and in the little things. Did you hear that? If you're going to kill the giants in your life, you must first be faithful in the lonely places and in the little things. Do you want to be ready for your giant? Then be faithful in the little things. Just listen to David testifying about his preparation. I'm going to start reading in verse 34. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. You know what I have to say about that? Wow. I mean, I'm kind of getting a little glimpse of David here. He's this shepherd boy who really took serious his job of being a shepherd boy. And he was not afraid of both lion and bear. Dude. Taking a lion by the mane, pulling the lamb out of it, and then killing the lion? Man, that's awesome. I can understand why he's not afraid of this Philistine. Can we talk for a minute? I mean, can we just get, kind of get personal, you and me, just for a second here? My question to you is this. Have you been allowing God to prepare you, to teach you, to train you so that you will be victorious in the big challenges of life. Folks, more than anything else, God wants to get you ready. But you and I must be His willing students. We must be faithful in the little task, in the little challenges that pop up in life, in the places where nobody sees and nobody else knows. And when we pass those small tests, We are ready for the bigger challenges that come in life. Most of us just want the big things. God, bring it on. No, that's not the way it works. We've got to have those daily exams and those little pop quizzes that come up every day where we learn, where we're trained, where we become more faithful. Let me put it like this. Have you been faithful in reading your Bible every day? Even, Even when you're reading in some of those tough passages like, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Are you faithful to read? Are you faithful to pray every day? Talk to the Lord through the day. Commune with Him. Draw strength from Him. Have you been fellowshipping with God? Just you and Him where nobody else sees and nobody else knows. Jesus talked about that prayer closet. That's sure not out in the public eye, is it? 
You're finding your quiet time with God, but yet it is in those daily grinds of you doing the right thing and spending time with God that God is teaching you and giving you strength and forming your character into the person that He wants you to be. You see, David had already been disregarded by his brothers. He had already been overlooked by his father. He only had a handful of sheep over which he had responsibility. And at best estimate, David was a small-time shepherd boy. And let me tell you, that is a very thankless job. Sheep don't applaud the shepherd when the shepherd saves their lives. Sheep don't know how to stroke the ego of the shepherd who is diligent in his task for them. But David used those lonely places like a schoolroom, and God taught him the lessons well. You know, David could have wasted those school years, couldn't he? He could have lived his life as a shepherd in mediocrity. He could have stated, bear comes, I'm running the other way. A lion shows up, I'm out of there. Who cares? But listen to me. Who you are is measured by what you do when nobody else is looking except for God. So what are you becoming? If you're a Christian and you're facing a Goliath right now, I'm here to encourage you. Okay, Let's get this scenario. You're a Christian. You've been through God's school of hard knocks. You're learning from the Lord. You're facing a giant. I'm here to encourage you. If you've been walking with the Lord... If you've been leaning on Him, if you've been learning to trust Him, you've seen His power in times past, you've learned those lessons of courage and faith, I want to tell you, you're ready for that giant. God has prepared you. You can face your giant, and you're going to win the battle because God has prepared you. And greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, Can I tell you that there is going to come a time in your life when you need God's help? You're going to want God's help. I would suggest that rather than waiting for crisis to hit, you turn to God right now. And you give Him your life. And you start this journey with Him. Learn the lessons of faith, trust, and courage. We need to be faithful to God in the lonely places and in the little things. That is the perspective of preparation. And David had been prepared. Point number two. Giant killers can see, can, can see what can be and not what is. Okay? Get that? They can see what can be and not what is. The only thing the Israelite soldiers could see was this giant taunting them. What David saw was God who could take that giant and pow, flick him away. Somebody told me about this elderly guy who uh, had gotten to kind of a place in his life where he needed to move into a retirement center. He he was still pretty good in health and, and, uh, and doing okay, but it was the season of life where he needed to live in that kind of environment. So every day his joy would be to get up, to get shaved, to put on his best clothes, and to walk down to the rec center, and he would play checkers with his buddies all day long. And he loved it. He loved it. He was a pretty good checker player. He loved it. He was doing that one day when he had this odd sense. And have you, let me ask you, have you ever been in a room and you just had the, the sense that somebody was staring at you? You know what I'm talking about? 
Well, he had that sense. He was playing checkers, but he just had this intuitive radar that went off, and he knew somebody. He knew somebody was looking at him, and so he looked up. And sure enough, across the room, there's this elderly woman staring at him. Now, he did what most of us would do. He just kind of avoided it and looked down, and, and thanks out of courtesy, she'll avert her gaze. But when he looked up, she was still staring at him. He, could, he, he couldn't believe it. It really shook him. And, and so he, he, he looked back down, and he was trying to think of his next checker move, but he couldn't think of it because he, he knew that lady was staring at him, and, and, and it was really getting to him. And he's, he's getting a little angry about it, and he thinks to himself, I, you know what, I'm just going to stare the old broad down. His word's not mine, all right? And so he looks at her, and he stares, and she stares, he stares, she stares, he stares, she stares. She didn't even blink an eye. And so he looked back down, he was really shook up now, and he thinks, you know what, I'm just going to have to get up and walk across the room and confront her, because this is really bothering me. And so he did, he, he got up, he walked over to her, and he says, ma'am, I've noticed you've been staring at me. She said, yes, sir, you look just like my third husband. He softens a little bit and says, oh, I didn't know it. How many times have you been married, ma'am? She said, Twice. That's my second attempt at humor this morning. I don't know. My point is this. Some people have the uncanny knack of seeing what can be and not what is. Do you know that's the definition of faith? Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is believing what you cannot see. And that is why David was a man of faith. He was able to see and believe in a victory over Goliath. Nobody else could see that. He was able to see that God was bigger than his problems. Nobody else could see that. The Israelite soldiers were focusing in on how huge Goliath was. How big the giant was. It was the wrong focus. The right attitude when you're facing giants in your life is this. Not how big is my giant, but how big is my God? That's why one preacher called this the story of David and the dwarf. Because you see, Goliath compared to God was nothing. Nothing. The tallest guy on record in modern day history is 8 feet 11 inches tall, according to Guinness Book of World Records. He died in 1940. Goliath was taller than that. Goliath was at least 9'6". To me, that's huge. To me, that's big. Okay? You with me? I don't know how many of y'all know Kevin Johnson. He's a pastor across town. I've known Kevin for a long, long time. Kevin used to be just real skinny and tall. Now he's big and tall. And I'm, you know, I don't know, I'm 6'1", 6'2", just depending on what day you ask me how tall I am. But when I get around Kevin Johnson, I feel like a little dwarf. I feel like a little kid. <laughs> he's huge. Goliath was big. He was huge. But to God, you compare that giant to God, he's nothing. Number three, giant killers give credit where credit is due. We would really call this the character quality of humility. And if you know anything about David from reading this story, you would know that David was a very humble servant of God. Let me just summarize what he said in verse 46. David said, I'll tell you why I'll fight Goliath. 
I will tell you why I will stand alone if necessary. I'll tell you why I'll risk my life to be faithful to the Lord. Today the world will know that there is a God in Israel. Do you hear the humility in that? David wasn't saying, hey, look at me. David wasn't saying, hey, look how strong I am. Look what I can do. Not at all. David's entire focus was on God. You look what God can do. Today, listen to me, Israelites, today you're going to learn a lesson. You're going to see who God really is. Is there not a cause, he said. David wasn't trying to make a name for himself. David was just elevating the name of God. And let me tell you, if you become a true giant killer, that's what you're going to do too. You realize you can't handle that problem on your own. It's a whole lot bigger than you are, but God can. And with God, all things are possible. You and I tend to focus on our giants, don't we? And I can understand that. Giants are easy to see. You can see your giant. Today, many of you can even name your giant. Cancer, a broken relationship, financial calamity, sin in my own life. It gets so big and we obsess on it because giants are easy to see. But the question is not, can you see your giant? The question is, can you see God? (laughs) Behind what you can see is an ever-present, ever-loving, powerful God. I want you to complete this sentence. I think we have it up on the screen right here. My giant is. What is your giant? Fill in the blank. My giant is, maybe it's a relationship problem. Maybe it's a health problem. Maybe it's a sin problem. What is it that is creating more fear in your life than anything else? What is causing you to stay up late at night fretting? What is it that's depressing you? What is it that is disappointing you? What is it that's hurting you? Just fill in the blank. My giant is. And then underneath that put this. But my God's bigger. My God's bigger. Yeah, I really don't know what you wrote on your giant line. I I don't have to know what that is. I I don't care how many giants you put on that line. Maybe there's half a dozen giants in your life. You know what? We could take all of those giants. We could take all the giants that every one of us have, and we could add all of those giants up, but this second line is still true. My God is bigger. Can I, do you get this? Your God, our God, the God of the Bible, is bigger than any giant you will ever face. David teaches us the lesson. You just go out there and face the giant. It's time somebody did something. It's gone on long enough. Your giant has defeated you long enough. Your giant has been a stumbling block in your life long enough. Listen to me. It's time for you to step up and do something. And you can do it. If you've been living for God, you can do it. If you can see the God behind the problem instead of just focusing on the problem, you can face it. Understanding that you can't do it by yourself. But God can. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I plead with you to come today 
and receive Christ as Savior of your life. You can't face life, nor can you face death without a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need Him. So come and receive the gift of salvation. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you know, you've got giants in your life. You've got problems. I don't know what your problem is, but I know you got one. Face it today. Bring that issue, bring that problem to the altar and give it to the Lord. And with God's help, face your giant today. With God's strength, begin defeating the giant in your life. Whatever it is, I'm here to tell you, God can give you victory. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless...